0: Welcome to the Storytellers Live podcast, where everyday people share real and personal stories. Some are profound and challenging, while others are more common and relatable, shared with honesty and humor. But all of these stories reveal what God can do in our lives when we trust Him with the details. Thanks for joining us. Hi, everyone. This is your host, Kelly, from the Storytellers Live team. On each episode, you'll hear a different woman share her story of God's transforming love. These stories are recorded in a live setting at weekly local gatherings, where we're aiming to build community through sharing, connecting, and encouraging one another. Most importantly, these stories reveal the faithfulness of God and how He can take what's ordinary and broken and exchange it for extraordinary and redeemed. Today, Kristen tells her story of how tragedy in her teen years led her down a long path of self-destructive behavior. A few years ago, after living a life enveloped in shame, fear, and low self-worth, she found a relationship with God for the first time. Even though she grew up in Alabama, she did not have a typical Bible Belt church-attending upbringing, and so she has made this huge transition from being totally turned off by God and the whole Christian scene finding love and freedom in Christ and she now lives boldly and bravely and loves encouraging others to live with vulnerability and purpose. Here's Kristen.
1: Anybody that just wants to pray like during this for me that would be awesome. (laughs) If you feel so led at any time um, I could probably use it. So um, um, I was born and raised in Birmingham um, but I didn't have I guess what I would think of as a typical like Bible Belt upbringing. Um, I wasn't raised in a Christian home. Um, We never went to church, and we didn't really talk about God in my home, so it just wasn't something that was in our life. Um, My parents divorced when I was three years old, and um, we did kind of like the every other weekend thing with my dad, Um, I was always a big daddy's girl and I'm still real close to my dad, but, um, growing up, it was just always more me and my mom and my brother, because that was just our daily life. So, um, the three of us were really close. Um, my mom was just like this most amazing woman. She was just loving and, um, empathetic. And I always knew, that I could come to her with anything and that she would just listen and not judge. And she just gave just great advice and just everyone who knew her just loved her so much. Um, But she just really struggled. Um, She was bipolar. Um, um, Some of my earliest memories of my mom are just of her crying. All the time. Um, I can remember being very young and her making it known to my brother and I that basically we were the only reason that she was still around, um, that she lived for us, Um, which I think to her, she just was telling us how much she loved us. But it really just put a lot of pressure on me, um, to keep her up, um, and to take care of her, um, and, you know, she had times where she wasn't depressed, and those times were great, um, but when she was, it was just really hard, um, I can remember probably when I was eight or ten, um, she had a really bad depression, and she locked herself in her room for weeks, maybe months, um and I remember just sitting at the door just crying, begging her to come out and she wouldn't um we would have to call my grandparents to come and take us to school a lot. Um but during that time I just made sure that, you know, I made good grades and I didn't get in trouble and I was there to take care of her and um anything that needed to be done in the house or um, you know, I was emotional support for her. Um and just really carried a lot of weight um, at a really young age. Um, so, but we were best friends. Um, we had a very close codependent relationship. And by the time I was in middle school, um, you know, I dealt with some bullying at school. And um, it really just drew me further into myself and away from everyone but my mom. Um, and I kind of just created this, like, safety net around myself and her um, and just kind of built up a lot of walls, not letting really anybody else um, in. Even a lot of our family wasn't aware of really what was going on in our home um, because I wanted to protect her. I didn't want anybody to know um, what was happening. Um, so when I was 16, um, I was dating a guy that was, um, and he had gone off to the army and he was graduating from boot camp, and I convinced my mom to, um, go to his graduation. Um, I kind of, as the days leading up to it went on, I was convincing her like to leave earlier and earlier so we could get there and um, we ended up leaving like in the middle of the night, um, to drive up there and we had gotten just inside the, um, like Georgia State Line, like in Carrollton. And the roads were slick, and there was um, a pickup truck that had lost control coming onto the interstate, and he had hit the median and was out in the middle of the road. Um, and I was driving the car, and I didn't see the truck until right before I hit it. Um, and then traveling right behind us was an 18-wheeler that then hit us. Um, so I was knocked out by the impact um, and I remember waking up probably just a few minutes later and talking to my mom um, her telling me that um, you know everything was going to be okay and that she loved me and that you know we're just going to wait for the paramedics and they were going to come and they were going to get us out and we were going to go home um, and I think I lost consciousness again, and when I woke back up, the, um, the firefighters, paramedics were there, and they are flashing a light in my eyes, and they told me, you know, that they were going to get me out, but that my mom was pinned worse than I was, so they were going to get her out first, and then they were going to come back and get me out, um, so I said okay, and um, the next thing, I hear, like, the saw, um, and my mom's screaming, Um, and then silence. And uh, then they came, and they got me out, and they took me to the hospital. And I remember just asking them, everybody that I saw, like, where's my mom? Is she already at the hospital? Is she okay? And they wouldn't tell me. Um, so they had called my family, and they came. And um, when they got there, they told me, you know, that she um, had not made it out of the car, um, and of course that's when I realized that her screaming was when she died. Um, so of course this, like, safety zone that had created, um, for her and for me was just gone in an instant. Um, Just my whole world turned upside down. Um, I moved in with my dad, and he's just the sweetest daddy in the whole world. I'm so, so lucky to have him. Um, He really took over the role of mom and dad, and he did such a great job doing that. But um, I was just lost. Um, And so... I began, um, drinking a lot, um, drugs, boys, just, just really, um, self-destructing. Um, probably for about the next five years. Um, I just did anything. It was, it was like I, I craved connection and love And I wanted it so badly, but I didn't want anybody to actually see me or know me. So I pushed people who really loved me and cared away, and I put on a face in front of them. And I searched for those things from people that I knew weren't really going to give it to me. Um, and I didn't realize at the time the damage that I was doing to myself. Um, thank you. Um but I just I I didn't know anything else to do. Um if you talked to people that knew me then like in my job and my family, you know, they always told me how proud they were of me. Um and how strong I was and um that it was amazing that I was so successful with everything that I had been through because Um, I worked as a hairstylist and I bought my first home at 20 through all of this time Um, and people were just amazed by me and they had no idea what I was really doing and how I was really living um, and how much I just hated myself. Um, So... Um, I built up more walls and, um, pushed away everyone and just became just so full of shame for the life that I was living and the way that I was hiding. Um, but I just, I couldn't let anybody see that I was struggling because I had to be strong. I had always had to be strong and I had to be strong then too, um, so during this time, um I met Brian. And I guess I was probably 20 maybe when I met Brian and um he was dating somebody at the time. Um but we just kind of became friends. Um I mean, we were running around in the same crowds, partying and stuff, but like he just it's like he saw something in me that nobody else saw. Um and he pushed to like figure out more of me. he was He would say he was intrigued by me, um, and that he saw that I was different than all those other people. Um, and so once he was single, he started asking me out, and of course, I did not go out with him. <laughs> um, I was so afraid that I knew that as unhealthy as I was and as self-destructive as I was, that I would ruin any relationship that I would ever have with him. But I was also afraid that once he really got to know everything that was to know, he wouldn't want to be with me anymore. So I just kept telling him, no, like we're just friends, you know, it wouldn't be good for us to be together. Um, But he's a persistent guy (laughs) and um, he never, he never gave up and he kept pushing and digging and digging and, um, eventually I grew to trust him and I kind of let some of my walls come down. Um, and we started dating and we were married in 2009. Um, we had, um, a son, Ethan, um, he's about to be eight. He was born in 2011. Um, we fixed up the house that I had bought and, um, sold it and moved into the home where we are now that we think is our forever home. Um so 2014 we're just kind of, you know, living living the life. Kind of living the dream that you know, if I had a checklist that I could check off, like I would check off everything on that list. Um but I wasn't happy. Um and I didn't like myself, still didn't like myself. I still had just so much um, shame um, and fear that I just kind of went along the day-to-day. I got pregnant with um, our second child, a daughter, Audrey. Um, And um, when I was... Thirty-four weeks pregnant with her, um, I started having some pain in my rib cage, under my rib cage. Um, and it was started on a Friday, and I had my daughter's appointment on Monday. So, of course, being me, I was just like, I'm fine. It's not, you know, we got a lot going on this weekend. We're just going to keep going, and I'm just, I'm just going to be fine. Um, but I was in agony. Um it got so bad over the weekend that we called the nurse and, um, she said, you know, go check your blood pressure. Um, if it's high, you need to come in. And if it's not, then, you know, maybe try to take like some gas X or something and and you'll probably be fine till your appointment. So my blood pressure was fine. Um, but I just was still in so much pain and nothing helped. Um, so Monday I went in for my appointment and, um, the nurse checked my blood pressure. And then she checked it again, and then she had somebody else come and check my blood pressure. It was about five times they checked my blood pressure when she said, it's a little high. (laughs) Um, And I was like, okay. And, like, inside I'm just, like, burning. Like, oh, my gosh, they told me that if my blood pressure was high, then I need to come in, and now it's high. Um, And she said, we're just going to send you to ultrasound and just make sure um, that everything's okay. So go to ultrasound. After that, I'm in the doctor's office, and she comes in, and she says, you know, your blood pressure's a little high, but everything on the ultrasound looks fine, and as soon as she said that, I just burst into tears. Um, and I mean, if you could see the look on her face, because, I mean, every appointment, I go in, I'm like, everything's fine. I'm good. Yeah, feel great. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so she was like, uh, what is going on? I kind of told her about the weekend, and she said, this is really not like you. I think everything looks like it's fine, but let's just send you down to labor and delivery and run some tests and um, monitor you and just kind of see, you know. So I go down there, and I had a three-year-old little boy with me. (laughs) Um, And so I'm trying my hardest to just, like, keep it together for him. Um, But I went ahead and called Brian, and I was like, you're probably going to need to come down here. Um, Probably going to be hooked up to these machines for a long time, and I can't chase him around. Um, so he came and we ended up calling somebody to come get Ethan because it just got to be too much even for both of us. Um and the nurses kind of kept coming in and, you know, check in, they're monitoring me and um they would just kinda say, you know, I mean, this kind of stuff just happens. You probably just have gas. Like they're gonna come they're just probably gonna say it's acid reflux and you could just go home and it's just probably not gonna be anything to worry about. And so I'm sitting there and it made me like mad and I'm like really they're really gonna come in here and tell me I'm fine and they're just gonna tell me to go home and I'm gonna have to feel like this and I was just so mad um so Brian had to go take Ethan out um to the parking lot so he could leave and while he was gone the doctor came in um and she said we've got your tests back and you have something called help syndrome Um, I had never heard of help. Most people that I've talked to have never heard of help. Um, but she explained that the reason that I had been in so much pain was because, um, my liver was shutting down. Um, and the high blood pressure, as well as, um, there was protein in my urine and, um, my platelet count was really, really low. Um, and she said, we're the only way that we can stop this is to deliver your baby. Um, and I told her no, <laughs> we can't deliver the baby. It's too soon. Um, she's not ready to be born yet. And she said, the baby's fine. She's gonna be fine. You know, she's gonna be six weeks early, but there's no reason why she won't be okay. She'll just spend some time in the NICU. She said, but you are not gonna be okay if we don't deliver her now. Um, basically she said that if I had not come in that day, neither one of us probably would have survived, um, very much longer. Um, so they start prepping me and they've put me on that terrible magnesium. I don't know if any of y'all have ever had that. It's the worst thing ever. Um, and they're trying to pump fluids in me, but she doesn't want to wait any longer. So like I had almost no fluids in my system when they, um, took me in for the C-section. Um, So I'd gone in like an hour's time from like, they're going to send me home and I'm going to be so mad to like, please send me home, (laughs) please just send me home. Um, so I had the C-section and of course they, you know, they get her out and I'm, it's awful. Like there, I can hear the doctors whispering about like how much blood I'm losing and, um, you know, vomiting and the nurse anesthetist, she's just like keeps just putting stuff in me and, um. So the baby's born, and they lay her on my chest, of course, for like, what, five seconds? And then they take her, and Brian goes with her, and I'm just in that room by myself. Um, so the doctor finishes up, and she tells me afterwards um, that it was even more of a miracle than we thought, because my placenta had already begun to detach. Um, so we probably only had hours. Um, So, um, I spent the next week in the hospital. Um, Audrey was in the NICU for a month. Um, that was a roller coaster, of course, but she's, she's fine. She's wonderful and thriving. And, um, so we get home and I think already leading up during my pregnancy, I was already in a depression, um. But it just got really, really bad afterwards. Um, And I I can remember, like, this time, at first, not only was I convincing everyone that I was fine, I had actually convinced myself that I was fine. And I remember um, Alita coming in and getting her hair done during that time and me talking to her about how, like, I was in this support group on Facebook and the women in that group were just so, like they just whine and cry, and I'm like, (laughs) everything's fine, you know, like, I'm, but we're both alive and fine, like, everything turned out, why me, why would I be upset, and I really believed that, um, until I didn't, um, and I just spiraled down and down and down, um, at this point, you know, I had all of those things on that Checklist. Um, But again, I wasn't happy. I didn't think that I deserved anything that I had. Um, I was kind of waiting for it all to crumble. And I knew that when it did, it would be my fault. Um, And of course, because of that, I felt so guilty that I had just been given this life that anyone would dream of, and I was miserable. Um, It began to really affect my marriage um, and my children. It got to where I only had enough, like, fake in me (laughs) to get through those couple of days of work each week and, you know things that I couldn't get out of and then I would just fall apart every other all the rest of the time um and my sweet husband he just he tried so hard to help and he just did everything that he could and he loved me through it but it just came to a point that he was defeated um and I just kept telling him that it had really had nothing to do with him it was just me I was worthless not him um So it got, it ended up getting so bad, and I was so fearful of just living and getting hurt or ruining my life that I stopped leaving the house almost altogether. Um, Just going to the grocery store was really difficult for me because I worried that just someone passing me in the aisle would see me and that they would know, um, how broken I was. And, um, heaven forbid the cashier speak to me. Um, I just, so I just hid. Um, and I felt like I had been hiding for my whole life. Um, and I just didn't see how I would ever be able to do anything else than that. Um, So probably a couple of months before Audrey's first birthday, um, I kind of just got to that point where I was like, I have to make a decision here. Like, I'm either just going to give all of this up and I'm just going to go get in the bed and I'm just going to be done. I'm going to lose it all. Or I've got to get some help. Um, luckily I chose help and I, um, started seeing a counselor and, um, I had seen many counselors in the past and, um, always kind of got far enough where I had like the bandaid and I could just keep going. Okay. I'm good now. Thanks. Um, but this time I just really decided like, I have, I have to do this for real. Um, and so I started to, you know, feel better, get a little more confidence. Um, and she encouraged me that I really just needed to start stepping outside of my comfort zone. And I was like, mm, you know, I think I need to do a little bit more work here before I start that. Um, and she was like, no, like you're not going to feel like it and you're not going to want to, but sometimes the action has to come first and the more you just do the action you'll then start to feel like doing it on your own. And I was like, okay. Um, So so, um, I started just, like, being around family more and, you know, seeing friends again, um, going to the grocery store, like, pumped up, like, I can do this. Um, But I really kind of got to a point where I felt like I was kind of holding back, and I was still really hiding um because I was scared um but I was like okay I've got to like really dive off the deep in here and do something like really really scary um and I remembered that a few months before a neighbor had invited me to a small group at her house um And I should just say, by this point in my life, I didn't just like not know God, but I really wasn't interested. Um, I had kind of made up my own mind about who God was, um, and I didn't want anything to do with it. Um, I thought that Christians were judgmental and hypocrites and self-righteous, and I was not afraid to tell people that. Um, I just didn't want any part of that. And so when she asked, I was like, yeah, Friday, i work that day. Thanks, though. And I really didn't know her. Um, but I remembered that. And I thought, you know, she lives across the street from me. Like, I won't be able to back out of this. Like, I have to give myself no way out. Because if I do have a way out, I'll, I'll take it. Um, and so I told myself, like, I'm just gonna call her and I'm gonna see, like, is she doing a small group now? And I know it's through a church, but I'll just ignore that. (laughs) And I'll just go in, like, with the idea that I'm just gonna meet new people and I'm gonna put myself kind of out there, um, and actually talk to strangers. Um, and then all the rest of that will just be, we're not gonna worry about that. So I go that first week and, um, did not know, did not ask. It was a freedom group, guys. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> How many of y'all know about freedom at um, Church of the Highlands? But I was basically like, God set me up.
0: <laughs>
1: um, <laughs> so I go in there, and um, it was just like the meet, you know, the meet everybody group. We weren't starting the um, curriculum that day. Um, and there was four leaders. And I remember they just kind of took turns um, telling, like, their story. And um, they were just really honest about what they struggled with. Um, and I just kind of sat there like, some of these women have been through as much as I have. Some of them maybe more. But they're one talking about it in front of a bunch of people they don't know and two like they're joyful and they have a light inside of them um and the way they're talking about God is not what I think about God so I just kind of started going hmm maybe I've been wrong Nah. Um, <laughs> um but I knew that whatever they had, I wanted it. Um and so I left the group that day and I go home and my husband comes home from work and he he knew that I was going to a group. Um and he said, What kind of group did you go to? And I was like, What do you mean? I just went to small group. I'm like, no, like you're acting weird. <laughs> And I was like, what do you mean? I'm like, no, in a good way. Like, what kind of group did you go to? And so I told him about it, and um, he found a group, Um, and he joined. Um, And he had been for years trying to get me to go to church. Um, He thought it would be good for the kids, and, you know, he wanted to start going, and I just wouldn't. Um, So he jumped on it when I was like, yeah, go get a group, you know? (laughs) Um, And so I... um, I kind of decided that I'm not gonna, I'm not sure about this, but I'm just gonna have an open mind. Um, you know, maybe I was wrong, and I kind of want whatever Kool-Aid they're drinking, so I'm gonna, <laughs> I'm gonna just see what happens. And I was kind of at a point where I was almost willing to lose everything, so what do I really have to lose now? Um, and so I decided that I was just going to go in there and I was just going to be open. Um, and I was just going to put everything that I had into that group. Um, and I did, um, and I allowed myself to be vulnerable for the first time ever. Um, I always thought that vulnerability was a weakness. Um, and I thought that being sensitive and being emotional was a weakness Um, but the more I did it and the more I healed from that, I started to learn that being vulnerable is strength. Um, and that for somebody to be willing to do that, open themselves up is so much harder than hiding behind a mask. Um, so during those weeks, I just I took in everything that I could um, and learned as much as I could about God and who he was and realized that I was completely wrong um, about him and his heart um, and his love for us. Um, And I just began to feel free. And um, I could physically feel the walls crumbling off of me. Um, So that was... Three years ago, um, February, that I started that group. Um, And my life looks completely different now um, than it did then. I feel like I have that light inside of me that I craved from those women. Um, And sometimes it's hard for me to believe because so many things haven't changed. You know, my past is all those traumatic things that happened to me like they still happened and all of those terrible decisions that I made like I still made those decisions and I still struggle with these same things every single day um shame and just like not thinking a whole lot of myself a lot of times um Fear, Like, I feel like I'm just constantly just, like, fighting this, like, being afraid of everything. Um, but those things aren't the biggest thing in my life anymore um, because God is. And they seem so small in comparison. Um, so now when I have those feelings come up, I feel like God just shows them to me immediately. Um, And I'm able to see them for what they are. Um, And I can take, you know, why am I afraid? Why am I feeling shame? Why do I want to hide? And I can line it up next to what God says. And when I do that, I'm like, this is just lies. Like, it's not even real. Um, And I'm able to kind of... um, move past it more quickly. Sometimes it's harder than other times, but um, I know that I have that power now. Um, So, like, I still really enjoy solitude. (laughs) I really like to be alone and um, in my own thoughts. But I've learned that that's okay and that that's healthy for me. Um, But it gets to a point where it's not. Um... And I just have to be able to see when I'm hiding and when i'm when my solitude is me hiding or isolating myself because I'm afraid of something, and um, when it turns into that, then I just know that I have to just get around my people um, and I have so many people now <laughs> um, so um, the other thing is um, I kind of talked about vulnerability and Um, that's kind of been a big part of my healing is just allowing myself to be open. And I feel like now God just lays stuff on my heart a lot. And he just kind of tells me just to share it. Um, so I've always been like a journaler, um, but I never shared anything, you know, that I wrote. It was just always a way of me kind of working through it. Um, but now when I journal, a lot of times I, I share what I write, um, on Instagram or wherever. And, um, every single time I do, I get a phone call or a DM or a text message of somebody saying like, I really needed to hear that today, right now. I've had strangers message me. Um, I've had one time I had a girl that I had only met a couple of times through friends, like call me. And we talked on the phone for probably an hour after I had just posted something that, you know, normally I would have never let anybody know that I was feeling that. Um, But to see the effect that it has on other people when I do. But the surprising thing is the effect that it has on me and how much I heal each time. And when I share something I'm struggling with, the power that it has is completely taken away. Um, So I can see how, like, God is working on me all the time um, and softening me and making me more sensitive. Um, You know, I've always had this just tough exterior, and, you know, I want people to think nothing affects me. You know, I've always kind of had that attitude. Um, But it's funny. (laughs) The other day, um, this week, I was at the coffee shop, and um, I saw Denise actually sitting at the um, bar, and I just walked up, and I just gave her a hug. Y'all, I don't hug. (laughs) I do not hug, but I didn't even think about it. Like, I just, I saw her, and I just wanted to give her a hug, and I went up, and I gave her a hug, and afterwards, I was like, what just happened? (laughs) But I like the hug. I felt good about the hug. <laughs> um, but that's just God showing me, like, he's softening me. Um, but that does not leave this room. I'm still not a hugger. <laughs> but, you know, that's what he does. He shows me things that um, I am, since I'm so emotional. Why well, I had that, you know, like, it's a good thing. Um, so... Fear. Um, I spent my whole life avoiding life, um, avoiding new experiences, avoiding relationships, avoiding my dreams just because I was scared. Um, And that's the one that still is just like every day. Like I have to just make that decision to fight that. Um, But now when something makes me really scared... I get excited um, and I run towards it, which is the, the storyteller's thing. Like that day I was like, eh, I don't know, that's really scary. And it really was like an hour later that I'm like, I'm so scared. I'm going to do it. <laughs> um, <laughs> because I know now that the things that scare me the most when I do them, that's when I see God. Yeah. And I want to see God as much as I possibly can. Um, and I want other people to see God, and I want other people to have what I have now. Um, so I just run towards it. Obviously, sometimes fear is legit, and you shouldn't do that. <laughs> but um, but if you know God says that it's okay, then you should totally do it. Um, so just those like tangible reminders that I get when I do things like this that I really don't want to do and I'm terrified of, but. Um, I know that when I leave here, like God's presence will be known to me and hopefully to all of you as well. Um, so, my verse is um, 2 Timothy 1 7, and I'm going to read through 8. Um, For God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power and love and a sound mind. Therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner. But share in suffering for the gospel by the power of God. And so that's what I've decided to do. Just share in, share my suffering um, and know that I am still afraid and I'm timid and I'm not powerful, but that God is. And that his spirit is in me now. Um, so I have full access to that power and I choose to use it. Um, one more thing. Um, as I was preparing this week, um, a pastor at my church, um, posted something on Facebook and, um, it was all about fear. And I was like, hmm. Um, and this was the quote that he had on there and it's from, um, Rick Warren. And it says, um, fear is a self-imposed prison that will keep you from becoming what God intends for you to be. You must move against it with weapons of faith and love. I guess that's it.
0: (laughs) Thanks for joining us for Kristen's story. We'll be back next Wednesday with another episode. And in the meantime, you can find us on social media at Storytellers Live, or you can find out more information on our website, which is storytellerslive.org. Thanks for listening, and we hope you'll join us again soon.